Hey everyone, it's Tom here, Alpha Talica, back with yet another episode of the show. It's 2021. We have slipped into a new year somehow, and look, I know that Alpha Talica episodes haven't been quite as regular as they used to be two a week, etc. Maybe a cheeky little author interview on the weekends, you know. But um, been working on different stuff. But still want to keep doing the show, still love doing the show, still love having people back on the show as well, who have had great discussions with about this band and music in general. And uh, today is no different, but just before we get to the guest and the topic, I guess topics, you know, it's going to be quite a kind of sprawling tableau. Excited to get into that. Uh, just before we get there, of course, you can follow the show at MetallicaPod on Twitter. I often ask questions on there, and I'll read out the responses on the show, such as today, uh, one of the crucial debates. I've got a lot of feedback there. Uh, you can also follow us, Metallica com. email me over there patreon is there as well if you enjoy the show you want to give back you want to get access to episodes like this first uh currently working on other mega histories as well so that'll be on there so lots of the doodles as well you may have seen i was on metal your podcast do the volume two of the doodles that was a really fun two-part and of course i jack on volume one so volume three uh will be on the patreon first as well so you want to record that making my notes so um yeah, Spotify, iTunes, all that sort of stuff. Like I mentioned before, you know, my guest uh, was on Pry for a Mega Histories, in fact, uh, the second of which where we covered Cliff. Reed, how's it going? Hey, Tom, what's up? It's uh, it's all right over here. How's, how's it in Chicago? Is it bitterly cold from what I gather? I have been there in like October and it's kind of notoriously cold. Is that fair? Well, the sun is out and Aye. that makes all the difference. It could be, you know, cold as ever but if the sun if if the clouds are you know low and uh the sun is shining it's not so bad that's beautiful that's that's poetry so, there i mean uh, talking of chicago actually uh, i uh recently watched one of my all-time favorite films uh american classic hoop dreams have you seen that oh yeah Mm-hmm. Yeah. I saw that when it came out. Oh, mm-hmm. oh did yeah. I mean, if anyone knows, it's like uh, two inner city kids trying to get into the NBA. Uh, Arthur and William have watched it many times. Set in Chicago, incredible. But we're not here to talk about who dreams. Yeah. We're here to talk about uh, Metallica. And um, you know, I like it when this happened. Reed, uh, you 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 came to me. You know, I like when listeners just email like, "Hey Tom, let's just talk about this. Let's just let's just cover this." So out of nothing kind of the hardwired death magnetic kind of debate that, that you know that's constantly going around. This is something you wanted to tap into. Yes, it is indeed. And you, uh, yeah, I'm, re- I'm ready to take them on the the, the two the two <laughs> records. Um, so yeah, both gr- great records. Both great. Okay, both great. We're going to get into I, that. I, I mean, I, dear I listeners, so. you know how I feel about hard one. And look, what what we're going to do on this episode. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna compare and contrast uh, the two records. This is kind of us looking at uh, Metallica's recent creative output, as it were. Uh, we are going to talk about Lulu towards the end as well. But you know what I want to start with is Hardwired versus Death Magnetic, and something you said in the email, the initial um, you know entree, as it were, to the conversation that that really stunned me. And like I've been doing Alpha Metallica for a long time, I've heard a lot of controversial, hot take Metallica opinions. And, you know, whatever, Mm. everyone's entitled to their... I like, say, anger, for example. I know that disgusts trues and news alike. But... I I love saying anger. Yeah, uh, good, good. But Mm -hmm. so 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 therefore, I'm like, okay, we're on the same wavelength, critically, on a certain level. You like, say, anger. You know, that's quite a rarefied sort of opinion. But from what I gather, you're saying Hardwired is their best since Justice. So Hardwired is better than the Black Album. Are you crazy? Are you crazy right now? Well, you know, if I could get out my editing tool and maybe, yeah. you know, take out like a song, 
from uh, Hardwired. Um, I, I, I could really stand behind that. But um, maybe I'm being a provocateur by saying it's their best since uh, uh, Justice. Mm. Um, but, you know, I mean, the Black Album is where I kind of started falling off, became less interested, became interested in other styles of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I mean, as, a, as an avid listener who was first in line to get Justice, you know, um, suddenly I was back from break on uh, from my freshman year in college and and saw um, the first song off Black Album Enter Sandman mm-hmm. on MTV. Had no idea the record was even coming out. Classic, classic and video. Yeah. Classic video. But uh, and I just kind of thought, nay, mm, you know, I, just... I mean, that's fair enough. That 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 is fair enough. And it's a time and place and it was a transitional period. But I just... Yeah. The, the, the creativity, the masterful songwriting. Black Album's a renowned classic. I don't, I don't care what genre you're coming from. Hardwired is just a watered-down, toothless imitation of that. Like, I, 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 so, <laughs> so, so, so many nothing riffs on Hardwired. So much wasted time on Hardwired as well. Even, even songs that I like. Uh, Here Comes Revenge, for example. Um, you know, oh, which, I love that song. Yeah, yeah. Great. There's a great song in there, I think. The riff is awesome. Mm. But it's inexcusable to me, Reed, that I think the song's like 7 minutes 15 or something. It takes about 45, 46 seconds of this nothing sludgy, sub-corrosion of conformity riffing before we get to the... It's like I, every time I listen to the song, because I really like that riff, I like the song generally, I'm like, what is this? Why did James and Lars think we needed this? And that's so much of Hardwired to me. And Death Magnetic as well. Far too long as well. Mm. Um, but I, I don't know, something lean about the Black Album. There's something polished and predatory. Whereas Hardwired is quite, I don't know, sluggish and, and doleful. Sure. I mean, and their latter era of work is, you know, that's its characteristic. That's, you know, characteristic of their latter era of work. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sludgy longer kind of stuff and editing so much filler sure. like, i mean murder one the riff yeah. i can't believe that's the main riff I, I laugh when i heard that song like i was like this is on here comes revenge no no sorry murder one sorry i'm, I'm switching i've got so many attack points on this album oh, but that's okay fine. yeah yeah, yeah but um I, I guess you know is it is it a sonics thing for you this is what a lot of people talk about you know Death magnetic hurts my ears loudness wars and i get it i'm not i'm not saying it doesn't sound quite thin but is is that part of it, or is it just the songwriting? Um, it's certainly part of it. Uh, you know, I I liken, I feel like Death Magnetic and Saint Anger and um, Justice all have a similar yes. kind of uh, distasteful tone to my ear. They sound thin. They sound tinny. Lars's drums sound weird on each of those. And I feel like production wise, they really got that warmth back with hardwired. Um, I have to agree. And that's something that I really love about that, about the new record and the new era. You know, Uh Uh Um, I think they kind of they they they've transitioned through so many things over the last 30 or 20 years, whatever it's been. Um, And I just feel like it hardwired is it has more of a glue sonically than anything that they've done, frankly, since like the load records, which I don't like the songs necessarily, but I like the production. Oh um, yeah. Oh yeah. They sound great. The, the records sound great. Definitely. But I, is that enough though with music? I don't know if it's just me, but so, you know, 
what I guess what I'm saying is like for me, Reed, like okay, yeah, hardwired sounds better. Definitely agree. Definitely sounds warmer. Um, you know, but the minerals aren't there. I don't know. I don't know if the the balls are there, so to speak. You know, I'm just thinking about the the real kind of you know the flair on show. Like I would rather watch a good film on a VHS than a bad film on a Blu-ray. You know what I mean? And I think that's kind of like like what 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 is is it purely about aesthetics? Like yeah, Hardwired does sound like. Don't get me wrong. Oh my god, I'd love to hear Death Magnetic sounding like Hardwired. Like there's two things I want to know. When I die, I want to know who shot JFK, and I want to hear yeah. Death Magnetic as Hardwired. It's like I want to actually. Not, I don't want to hear some fans taking it on YouTube. I want to just hear it. Like you know, but. Uh, unfortunately, you know, we won't know either of those, but it, it, in my opinion, it was the Cubans. But, you know, in terms of um, in terms of these records, I suppose, like what about Death Magnetic on its kind of songwriting merits? Like, are there are there any tracks that you enjoy or? Oh, I mean, I love both. And mm. that's so, the, the, the thing that I almost feel apologetic because the more that I dug into, you know, I've spent the last probably year and a half listening to hardwired, you know, at least once a week. So I've really, yeah, you are, you are hardwired is hardwired into you. Oh my God. Are you going to self-destruct right now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, and so I want to, you know, and I went back to death magnetic, which was, you know, to me, it was the return to form and it was the record that made me start getting excited about them again. I mean, St. Anger did that to a degree as well, but um, you know, because I want to deposit this sort of, um, adversarial discussion sure. between death magnetic and, um, hardwired, you know, I really tried to live a little bit more in death magnetic over the last month or so, um, and a record I'm pretty familiar with. Um, and, you know, as I was getting deeper and deeper into each of the tracks on both records, I kind of was like, how can you criticize this band in general? I mean, what they've delivered with these last couple records and Lula is, you know, uh, an appendix or something. Yes. But uh, what what they deliver with the last two proper albums, um, when you really get deep into it, you can criticize and say, oh, I think that, you know, all nightmare long never really quite lands, which I don't think it ever quite lands. But to really get deep into the song and think, why am I criticizing this band? I mean, they, uh, they are masters. They they even are. They're, they e- are. But you can criticize anything. Mediocre, I guess. Mediocre. I guess. Yeah. I guess. I I know what you're saying, but to be honest, I find that a bit of a dead end. Like in terms of like just debating musical criticism. Because it's like, yeah, I love them, but it's like I love my family, but I can still poke <laughs> flaws in them. You know, they're not untouchable gods for me. Uh, I don't mean to be too iconoclastic, but it's like, you know, e- e- even stuff that I'm jo- like, you know, we-, we both love Waits, for example. Both love Tom Waits. There's certain Tom Waits songs I don't like. Yes. And I- it's just, I-, I-, I guess I just find it quite fun to nitpick, I suppose, and pinpoint exactly what I don't like. Um, and it's funny you said yes. about All Nightmare Long not landing because i think that's definitely one of the more widely accepted tracks off the album really good song as well but um sorry just want to go back to one of the things you were saying before about a return to form a death band game being returned to form i certainly think yeah critically of course it was a return to form commercially but say anger still sold shitloads as well but did you not feel like 
Hardwired was a little bit of aggression. I think Metallica on Death Metal, it's almost like a new Metallica. It's like a mathy Metallica. Like, how long complex are these songs? Like, even more than Justice, there's so many time changes and little kind of riffs within riffs and little turnarounds and, like, you know what I mean? They're quite, it's got like a labyrinth for a lot of Death Magnetic. Uh, yes, but, I mean, I see Death Magnetic the same way that you're describing. Um, I'm sorry, I, Hardwired the same way. You're oh, it's nowhere near. No, it's, it's, I'm, do you, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't mean to condescend, but, like, do you play guitar? It's just like, there's, 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 there's nowhere near the complexity on these songs, like. I do play guitar. Yeah, it's um, quite dunderheaded, like quite standard. There's some good riffs on here. Hardwired's a good culprit as well. I don't know if that song feels written to committee. Like I don't know if I don't know if many people like that song. Yeah, I like it. I mean, mm. I, I'm, it's, I mean, I'm sure it's, a lot of people listening of, to. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's. I think it's sort of unique. I mean, um, in the sense that it's just kind of get in and get out um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they haven't done that a lot where they kind That's of true. like lop off the you know evocative introduction and uh, yeah i admire that you know i i don't think it's their their best i mean i i i think that uh here comes revenge you know i heard that uh i was watching one of their metallica mondays the other night and from 2017 or something, mm-hmm. and they played Here Comes Revenge, and I really thought it stood up to, uh, I mean, okay, it's not Creeping Death, but I mean, as a song to be played next to Creeping Death, it didn't, like, take the wind out of my sails, no. you know? It wasn't like uh, going to see Paul McCartney and hearing one of his new records next to maybe I'm hey, uh, have, you li- have you listened to McCartney <laughs> Free? Oh, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. It's pretty good, actually. Like, it's actually not bad. Um you know, you know, sliding. It's very fun. Like the big riffer off it. Like that's a good song. Yeah, that that song. That that yes. that, that song's actually pretty huge. But um, uh, find my way as well. I think that was one of the singles that has all that experimental stuff at the end. But um, yeah. Uh, what, what you yeah. say? What, what you say before? Like about about it fitting indefinitely. And you know, they still. Of course, it is still Metallica. And I think uh, here comes revenge. For example, love the chorus. James's melody has a flair to it. It has kind of almost like a groove just in the melody. Ah, like it has this kind of pop band sort of swing to it that I really, really like. I guess for me as well, Reed, like, um, you know, Tom, 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 here's Tom rags on Kirk time. But I really do have to rag yeah. on Kirk because I've been listening to a lot of Hardwired recently and Death Magnetic in prep for this. And holy fuck, this guy didn't give a shit on this record. He really didn't try at all. And it's like, and I know some people, like my friend's dad, for example, who's a very good friend of mine as well, he loves music, but he's not really into riffs and, you know, he knows his music well, but he's not really into guitar and stuff like that. So I, I remember saying to him once, I was like, what, do you listen to solos? Are you interested when a guitar solo happens? He's like, oh, I can sort of follow normal ones, but normally it's just kind of noise that washes over me. And I was like, okay, fine. You know, but to me, I, I you know, I'm sure you're the same way. Like I like to follow the narrative of the solo. I really look forward to the solo in a song. And... Kirk just didn't give anything here. He just, just played mediocre riffs. There was there was no kind of line between or anything. There's a few times, there's a few songs. Um, I'm thinking of Moth into Flame. Uh, I'm thinking of Atlas Rise, which again is a bit more of a kind of harmonized idea, new wave of British heavy metal, where he kind of rides of the hype of the song. But is he the ripper? Like, is he is he creeping death? <laughs> he, he, no, he's no, he's not. No, God, he's not. No, he's not. He's not Black Album. He's not Justice. He ain't even Death Magnetic, Kirk who gave us a lot of good work on that. I think that's another reason I've got to point to Death Bang Day being superior. I think we actually have a lead guitar player on that album who knows what he's doing. Okay, well, I, I happen to think that um, 
it's one of his better solos on Hardwired. Um, Here comes revenge. Mm. And one of the things that I like about it is it, it's noisy, it's rambunctious. It is. He goes into some of those. It go, he goes into some of those more atypical modes that he used to do in the you know true days. Mm. Um, you know, I think I think his best solo is Ride the Lightning. Um, yeah. It's this extended solo. It it it's it's such a great journey. Um, and I love like um, thing that should not be uh, solo, where it's really discordant and chromatic, and you know whatever mm. mode he's in there. And I find some of that in um, uh, "Here Comes Revenge," which is refreshing to me. I like to hear Kirk make noise. I don't like to hear him make bluesy noise. I oh, mean, God, there's that. a place for it. It's part of his style. Mm. Um, but you know, and I've been you know that I, I was kind of on that train for listening to hardwired over the last year and a half of like yeah kirk solo is a little yoda, yoda, real, yoda. but the more real i weekly. listen to it mm. yeah kind of i will say his tone on hardwired is fucking incredible and it's that yeah. damn greeny guitar he got from peter green yeah off of fleetwood mac mm-hmm. his tone um and I, this is you know fiddleman like really stepping it up from death magnetic i think um you know, it just it leaps, even if it's not something that you are interested in. It does leap sort of. Uh, it does. I mean, almost annoyingly. So I'm like, shut up. Like this solo is all over the place. But yeah, here comes the revenge. Yeah, he does have a lot of dive bombs and dips and that. But I just I guess <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying this as someone who's done a bloody Metallica podcast where I've talked about every song in Devil. I listen to these songs hundreds of times like everyone else. And it's like I know that he can write amazing solos. Like I mentioned, like the, the closing Orion solo or shortest or, or, you know, even back to stuff like Four Horsemen and Motor Breath, a really exciting lead playing, but this is just, oh, it just lacks any dynamics. Like Murder One, I want to point to Murder One here, people. If you're thinking, Tom, shut the f- about Kirk's, just go listen to the Murder One solo. Pause this, go listen. And it's it's unbelievable. It, it sounds like a training exercise, the way he starts his thing. He relies on the open strings towards the end to carry him further onto nothingness. He just goes into another four bars of licks after that. Like, I really was, like, laughing to myself. I was walking around my local area, Sutton Coalfield in Birmingham, and I was laughing to myself. Not out loud like a weirdo, but I was, like, guffawing listeners. I was, like, right in my head. I was, like, what is it? And, like... Look, I am a sort of guitar guy, I know. Like, I love Dixie Dregs. Uh, anyone aware of them? Some deep-fried fusion from the late 70s, I think, in Tennessee. Steve Morse. Uh, aristocrats as well are always this new Guthrie Govan, Steve Vai, all these people. And it's just when I get to Kirk, it's like cold beans on a plate. It's like, what are you doing? Like, Well, it's funny, too, because, I mean, I think he did, uh, you know, I mean, he's, you know, now got this kind of rock star, you know, laziness, maybe, you know, what, yeah. uh, but... But he did earn that sort of, of course. guitar I'm, god I'm just title. critiquing him now. I mean, yeah, he is great. Don't get me wrong. His past masters are unbelievable. It's like Jordan at the Wizards, right? It's like... I don't know that reference, but... Oh, did I, did, did I just out-American an American? Like, uh, when, Michael, yeah. when Michael Jordan played for the Washington Wizards when he came back after the Bulls. Got, oh, I got you now. Dude, yeah, the yeah, last yeah, yeah. dance. What? Have you not seen that? Mm. I mean, he didn't really cover that period, kind of, but... Um... I did. I got you now. All that's, right. Hoop Dreams. MJ. I'm yeah. dropping... All... Clint Wells would be very proud of me right now. I'm dropping all my people references, I, but... I've I've uh, worked with Michael Jordan a couple of times. I've, hey. like, talked to him and, you know... Uh, anyway... Does he like, does he like side, Hardwired? But, um... I guess that was uh, beforehand. Yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> He's I, like, I love I, Hardwired. What are you but... talking about? This doesn't come out for another 15 years. He just knew. Yeah. 
You know, I mean, the other, so now that we're on Kirk for a minute, um, okay, so that's a big, one of the weak links uh, on Hardwired, I happen to like Murder One, and I happen to like Kirk's solo on Murder One. I think it's kind of punky. It, you know, I love the fact It's because it's Motorhead that he can Lemmy. get away with a bad solo. <laughs> I think that's kind of part of yeah. it, like... But yeah, oh <laughs> but come on, the riff for Murder think... One though. Like Jack said it best. Sorry to interrupt you, but Jack, who was on for that episode, said it's like yeah. someone can't remember how to play Immigrant Song, and it's so true because it's anchored on that F sharp, the octave. But it just feels this drunken sort of gander. I don't know. Does it? Does it really hit your heart like like a Justice or a Blacken does? Like no, of course not. But I mean, you know, when you're talking minor. Metallica songs that's some you know that that's where for instance for me like all nightmare long like that's a minor song that isn't one of my favorite songs you know like mm. I would say that uh you know what would be a, another minor song uh uh am I savage I think that's a better song than uh murder one um sure. and I also think it's a better song than uh struggle within you know what I mean as a as as like a lesser Metallica song, um, Re- that this hurts to hear. Really. This hurts. This is, this, <laughs> like, this is like someone being like, but let me say- someone being like, oh, sp- you, you, you know that. If I, like, I, I can't, I can't even come up with an example. <laughs> I literally, I couldn't even think of anything to say that. I'm so dumbfounded. But I mean, let's uh, let, let's turn back a little bit now to Death Magnetic and one of the songs on a point to read. I just want to know your opinion on this song because I personally love this tune. I think it's one of the I think up to this point, it might have been the best song, in my opinion, that they've written since the Black Album, uh, My Apocalypse. Excellent song. I wrote down in my notes, classic. Yeah, it's just fucking... I have no problems with the song. It's a it's a fucking yeah, it's a it's a classic. It's I that's an area where I think the production that is so like lean and mean and mm. there's not much there's no backing vocals or anything like that. It really serves the song and that song's tough i love james's lyrics on that um he's really committed you know it, no yeah he's in it no you completely and and yeah what you say about the production is totally true as well it does kind of give you that kind of garagey aesthetic uh to a certain thing like that kind of rough and ready kind of angular quite quite scathing uh sort of proposition no but i just i don't know i always love in these sort of songs or you know kind of when it's what the rhythm the rhythm guitar player and the singer uh or yeah they're just the rhythm guitar and the singer and it's do 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 like i can't I can't really sing it but like the way he sings and the way the kind of pre-chorus and chorus is kind of arch forward and the the chords kind of underscore the syllables of what he's barking he he, he just sounds crazy on that there's even kind of a weird sound effect that they get away with like i don't know if you remember before the solo you kind of hear it's almost like a race car with by the corner uh just as, oh yeah yeah like like about. which is like you know any boston fans out there um you know yeah. uh, rock and roll band uh has lots of fake applause in the final chorus which shouldn't work but it actually makes the song even better uh oh, in my opinion one of the most underrated american rock songs of all time but um yeah my apocalypse i mean if i'm if i'm being honest though with death magnetic like you know there's a lot that i you know i think is you know wrong or i would change 10 songs does not need to be an hour and 14 minutes um i think pretty much all of these songs could be shaved down slightly i think i remember tom araya of slayer in an interview saying exactly the same thing when the record came out um they just asked him what do you think about it he says it's great but you know cut half an hour off and you know he's from slayer i know they have the kind of mostly short tracks but he's completely right i mean you know there's nothing on here um that is 
yeah, there's one song that's five minutes one is My Apocalypse. And that's the shortest song by quite mm. some margin. Most of them are seven minutes like or near that. There's an eight minute, a 747 and a 958. And probably the worst culprit is Suicide and Redemption. Um, for me, a giant misstep. Uh, you know, we covered this recently on the show when we revisited Metallica's instrumentals. And I stand by everything I said. I think that's a bit of a fiasco, really. Not Not well put together. One of my favorite songs on the entire wow, record. wow. I mean, that's Love quite, it. Got, <laughs> every second of it. Every second, all nine minutes fifty-eight of that repetitive, just and that weird Kirk effect it's that no, he has. Oh, it's still their weakest instrumental because it doesn't have a good uh, midsection. It's got a decent midsection. I love the. I think that riff and and again, like uh, you know. Th- Death Magnetic and Hardwired, I, I think they've really assimilated what they were kind of trying to do with Load, where they're have they're, some of the riffing is a little more basic. It's a little less metal. It's a little more classic rock. It swings mm-hmm, a little mm-hmm. more, um, you know, uh, swings in kind of a heavy Black Sabbath way. I, I think during the Load era, they didn't really know what the fuck they were doing they were trying to make classic rock songs and they couldn't really make a good riff like boston for instance or bachman turner overdrive mm-hmm. it's like you know james was better off as a metal guitar rhythm player and you know it was like they were experimenting with trying to really dumb it down but they couldn't even you know uh the way that jimmy page could make a really swinging kind of basic but cool riff like totally they didn't have that in them they're 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 metalheads and you can't that was a problem i grew up you know learning guitar as a metalhead you can't say you can't be a metalhead and then try to go play blues <laughs> yeah. they're completely different uh archetypes of music and there's note selections that are really important in ways techniques and that kind mm-hmm. of thing and I feel like that was their experiment of like, we're going to try to be a bluesy classic rock band. And they just kind of suck at it because they're like, you know, they're like heavy metal orchestral guys. And it doesn't translate when you try to simplify that stuff um, unless you really know the idiom that you're you know, trying to do. So therefore, I think that that's where they really succeed, begin to succeed with Death Magnetic. But then I think they even get better with Hardwired is sort of improving those more kind of basic kind of riffs and, and, and they sound more organic. It doesn't sound like them trying to be a country Western band or, a, you know, all the shit that they were experimenting with, with load and reload. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, no, no. Yeah. What you say as well. Yeah. Hardwired undoubtedly, I think sounds more organic even than death. Magnetic. Death Magnetic is slightly more labored in its compositions. And I mean, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, which, which can, which can be to certain tastes. And, you know, even I, who am a death magnetic, big fan, like I do find a lot of it overwhelming. As I say, it does need to be about a third shorter. And, uh, you know, Okay, Suicide and Redemption, we've got to have it there because we've got to have an instrumental on the record. This is an old-school Metallica record. Very cool. But in my eyes, there's another instrumental on Death Magnetic, kind of, the last half of Day That Never Comes. That's like four minutes with solos and riffs and changes. And that, I think, is one of the highlights of the album. I don't know about you how you feel about that song. It's it's another classic. And again, it it's it's uh you know, in some ways you could accuse it of being a pastiche of like early Metallica. Yes, it is kind it of borrows, Yeah, it's kind of yeah. fade to sanitarium, like yeah. Yeah, like sanitarium, there's a it's quality warm, to one about the, the it. The warlike there's kind of misery, yeah. Fade to black, you know, all that stuff. But I think that they 
really i mean it's it's it, it i think it's it's the best song on the record and and maybe the best song that they've written in the last you know since the black album era it is brilliant um yeah yeah, just it's, brilliant it's, I mean, it's, 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 it's just it's just it is yeah they don't miss a start do they and like like i said before i love how the last half is just this thundering instrumental and metallica do the thing that every like kid guitar player when they write riffs do but somehow make it sound good where you play something on the bottom e, then you play it on the top e so you're sort of playing the same thing just a couple of octaves high or whatever but the way that it really feels like gunfire in a certain way and i love it gets really chaotic when it goes up um, up the uh, strings but yeah love that song i mean i think some of the culprits towards what i was saying before that kind of shifting metallica where there's just you know it's just the songs are so busy the end of the line a broken beat and scarred as well like it's just kind of mm. funkier I, I i suppose in a certain way like it is quite steel-faced and quite ashen i get that but it's also like i mean broken beat and sky just has so many moving parts to it doesn't it like it kind of doesn't really sound like any metallica song before yeah it does and you know going back to david never comes it's like mm. i i used to kind of when i first heard it i thought at the ending i was like man they're throwing so many riffs in here i yeah. was like it, it's almost getting ridiculous but then you know re-listening recently it, it, it's astounding all the riffs they throw in it, and it, it's it's almost um, like you can't believe they're doing it. But for some reason, it works for me. It's like, oh, you thought that this was enough? Well, how about this? You know, and in in that song, you know, an example of them writing longer stuff. I think it really is a su- success. But like you say, end of end of the line and broken, beaten and scarred. It's like, yeah, I like these songs, but they're not as good as. Uh, um, the one David never comes. So like, let's just get out of this, uh, you know, a little sooner. I think that that you could cut all that fat, and then that would make a song like the Day That Never Comes really stick out even that much more, because it it, it does have that you know length and all those riffs pulled together. But there's a lot of that flabby, lazy. Uh, I shouldn't say lazy, but flabby you're right it's, it's ish kind of stuff it's not lazy it's actually hard work what they do in the songs by making them longer but it's almost yeah it would help them by not just you know just chopping them off a little bit but um i'm just looking now i mean i mean that was just your life as well that opens it incredible return to form um kirk's solo as well like just sounds like a just dog unleashed like you know it's this wild mm-hmm. occur love that love the opening bends of it as well um I mean, you know, Death Magnetic. So you say uh, Hardwired's better than Justice. Like, do do you rank Death Magnetic <laughs> high at all? Or uh, oh yeah, for sure, um, it it's up there. I just don't feel like it's a complete, uh, as complete a statement as some of the other ones. Um, you know, and we were talking about that before. Like, you, you do it. Uh, Death Magnetic does feel labored to me. It does feel like mm. they're trying to kind of like gain some you know uh some loss or you know get back to their roots and and you hear them working at that so hard whereas i feel like um having passed through death magnetic hardwired is more like this is who we like they're confident again and i feel like they're there's not a sense of um you know uh identity crisis it's like this is the new metallica and they you know, um, are, are standing up for it. Whereas, whereas magnetic, you can just hear them trying. And, you know, that's one of the things I, I I think, um, James's vocals, um, 
on magnetic are just fabulous. Mm -hmm. But there's there Hetfield kind of became a parody of himself at a certain point. Like back in the day when I was a kid, you know, and I was 14 years old and saw the Master Puppets tour in '86. Mm. I mean, James Hetfield was a scary motherfucker. <laughs> you know, he was like a a gang. They were all scary, like gang fighting street guys, oh, you know? Mm -hmm. And after, you know, once they got into the more bloated load, like MTV era kind of thing and, and Cliff died, passed away. Um, you know, James kind of lost what was, he wasn't scary anymore. He wasn't threatening anymore. Um, and like, during like the Saint Anger era and even into Death Magnetic, I still feel like you're not scary. You're just a dad, you know, <laughs> you're just like a heavy metal, you know, millionaire rocks star. You're not scary anymore. But I feel like on Hardwired, he is like he's he's scary again. And like he comes off almost in this like the reason I think he's scary now is because he's been through so much personally and I like the fact that on Hardwired, he's starting to sing about things beside himself. I get really sick of the Saint era, especially the load, reload, Saint anger, and then it bleeds into death magnetic, this like, woe is me, James Hetfield. You know, he used to be sort of like this, like, social critic. And I think his lyrics work best when he's like tackling, uh, you know, uh, a concept or uh, a subject matter outside of himself. And I kind of feel like that that's another reason why I love hardwired so much is because he's starting to do that again. He's making commentary. That's like relevant, like spit out the bone, you know, um, about, you know, the digital age and computers taking over. And even when, you know, he's getting outside of himself and doing a, the uh, moth into flame, but it's more about, the Amy Winehouse character. It's something he knows about, but he's talking about someone else besides him. And I, I just get sick of whiny, bitchy, you know, woe is me, Hetfield. Like I'm struggling with mm. my drug problems or my family issues or all that bullshit. And, and, I, and so I think again, he's kind of, he's almost like on, on hardwired. He's almost like a prophet, you know, he's like, these religious songs and these songs where he's impersonating revenge as a concept. Um, I think there's some really interesting lyrics going on here and he's stepping into these characters and he's kind of scary again. Yeah, no. And I guess the cover as well of hardwired, it's a terrifying Hetfield on there. Like, okay. Made up of his composite members, but kind of uh, white-eyed yeah. and you know, teeth-braying, etc. Uh, yeah, um, he does. He does definitely explore these issues. I don't... You mentioned Spit Out of the Bone. I'm not trying to piss people off further. I, I don't know what it is. I don't really think it's that good. It's never... I think My Apocalypse is a way better closer. I agree. I mean, it's bloated. Spit Out the Bone is bloated. People I mean, love it, it though. Comes, oh, people... This is people their People love it. Oh, I mean, the first, like, couple minutes of it are, I think, awesome. And, mm -hmm. you know, some of the heaviest shit that they've done. Besides maybe the, uh, uh, I decide here, the, the Lou Reed Lulu, Lulu record. But we yes. can get to that later. Yeah. Um, uh, but, I mean, it is, like, classic thrash. And then it gets bloated, you know, again, like, they, like they're wont to do in this, in this era. You know, they basically smashed two different songs together, I think, with that one. 
Um, and it doesn't, it's, it starts to lose some steam, you know, about halfway through. Um, I still love it, but. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I it's, don't think it's... No, it was kind of hailed as the second coming for me. And I remember when Crit, when uh, Lars is on the Jericho, Chris Jericho's podcast. And I think I think mm. Hardwater just came out and I hadn't really listened to it properly. And, like, you know, Jericho was like, oh, my God, dude. Like, spit out the... And I was always, you know, when are they going to play spit out the bone and all that sort of thing. I don't know if I find the riff that classic. It feels very Megadeth-y to me. I don't, I don't know. It doesn't really stick out too much as the kind of opening brawl of my apocalypse especially with the marching war drums behind it i just think the percussion in my apocalypse is um astonishing really but but yeah uh you know we can go on forever about death magnetic and hardwired but just before we move on uh i do want to go on to the twitter at metallica pod and i asked you guys what do you prefer and why and i even put a poll up there so let's see the poll has been up there for about nine hours um it's had 89 votes and hardwired leads 53% to 47 mm. which not surprising i guess there's a lot more love for hardwired hardwired i feel it's like the georgia senate races that we uh just had right. or having currently <laughs> seth, so seth myers over here <laughs> like um okay so um I took a look what you guys said. Ralph said, I personally enjoy Hardwired quite a bit more these days. Overall, I think the songs are better, as is the production. It's a perfect mix of old and new Metallica. The only thing missing are those masterful Kirk Hammett shredding solos from Death Magnetic. His solos are solid and Hardwired and serve the song well, though. Boo says, Hardwired has my favourite song out of both of them, Spit Out the Bone, but Death Magnetic is better start to finish. Chaosware, so shout out to my guy Chaosware in France for that, who did a, um, he's been on the show many times, he did an Alpha Metallica cover on his YouTube channel of the theme song, with an added solo, which I sometimes use as the intro music, so uh, check it out, Chaosware the K. He says, as a whole, I prefer Death Magnetic, but there are songs on Hardwired that are far better than on Death Magnetic, namely Atlas Moth and Spit. So in short, Hardwired has a great production and great singles, but Death Magnetic is more consistent and has better riffs and solos. Bob says Death Magnetic, I've got more memories attached to it. It came out right after I moved to Chicago. I saw six shows on the tour, had a meet and greet all around. It's special for me. Schmick says Death Magnetic has two great songs on it. Hardwired has at least four. Both could have done with further editing production. Kent says Hardwired easily. Production on Death Magnetic is awful. Makes it almost unlistenable. Also on Death Magnetic, it seems like they were trying way too hard to recapture the old sound after the backlash to say Anger, which is an album that I love, he says. To the point, it sounds totally forced. Sean says Hardwired, why spit out the bone? And finally, Ron says, Death Magnetic, Hardwired is better produced and has two to three standout tracks, but also some filler. Death Magnetic has some standout tracks as well, but no filler in my opinion. And Kirk plays better on Death Magnetic, so Death Magnetic it is. I mean, nice nice to see a healthy split, right, Reed? Yeah, yeah, it's it's great. That's democracy, I guess. Um, I did want to follow up with, mm. with Kirk's soloing. And Please. I, I feel like his the biggest missed ball from him is... A song that I really don't like, um, Halo on Fire. Yes, um, me neither. You know, at one point I, 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 I tried to enjoy that song, and at one point I realized, oh yeah, the end is kind of like the end of uh, Fade to Black. Yes. Because um, it just sounded wimpy to me, but then I thought about Fade to Black. I was like, well, what works in Fade to Black that it doesn't sound wimpy to me, but it sounds that way in Halo? And it's because... You know, you've got this like anthemic riff at the end and Kirk does nothing with it. It's no. like, you know, it's three or four chords and it's kind of a nice progression. If he had like kicked ass in some 
really melodic, interesting mm-hmm. solo. He could have saved the end of that song. Um, but it just goes, that song goes nowhere. And it's Lars's worst drumming on the record. Another reason I love Hardwired, I think Lars's drumming is sensational on Hardwired. It's mm. really interesting. It, it's, it has its own unique characteristic, like him playing on those toms. They're like, it's kind of like the way his weird snare was a character on St. Anger. His tom playing on Hardwired is really interesting and kind of new and, and um, has personality about it. Okay. Um, and yeah, to all the naysayers of Lars being a shitty drummer, they can go fuck themselves. Because I think Lars is one of the great drummers oh, yeah. as far as playing to the song. He's such he's so compositionally uh, advanced and um oh he's so yeah that's so, his that's his strength definitely yeah i people who say lars is a bad drummer either technically or musically like you say like that compositional nouse that he has it's like people who say they don't like the beatles it's just kind of like you almost don't want to respond to it you're like oh yeah. you're an idiot you oh you're actually kind of you just <laughs> you just yeah i don't really respect your opinion it's like um i mean i don't know if you would even hold an opinion on this read but one a, a useful equation dear listeners that i found and if you sit on the other side of this fence you don't need to listen to Alpha Metallica uh, anymore because a few of my friends said this opinion out loud to me, and it sickened me. Um, they said they preferred Futurama to The Simpsons, uh, which I was like, "What is uh, what is wrong with your brain? What is wrong with your brain?" Okay, so we move on to. <laughs> I don't know why I brought that up. I'm clearly still annoyed. Uh, we move on to a real bugbear, a real bet noir. Oh, this album triggers people. Oh, it upsets people. Oh, it hurts their frail little ears. We're talking about Lulu. We, of course, have covered all the Lulu songs on Alf Metallica at first reluctantly and then ravenously. And uh, we've collected them as well into the album compilation episodes that we've always done. So go and check those out. But let's talk generally about Lulu, uh, Reed. You know, I know everyone has a difficult period when they start listening to it. Everyone's a bit freaked out by it. Uh, David Bowie, Bowie said it's Lou Reed's best work ever. And you hear that quote and it's like, it's Metallica, but it's, you know, it's, it's pale blue eyes. It's Velvet, Velvet Underground. 2021, where, where, where do you stand on this album? What are your thoughts on it? Well, I enjoyed it or was intrigued by it when I first got right. it, when it came out. And, I, you know, I, I was at this record store in Chicago, which... Uh, will not name but uh, it's kind of a hipster sort of record store and sort of you know i asked the clerk like how's the new metallica lou reed record and they'd like oh i couldn't even get through the first song it was so terrible and they didn't give the album a chance and i think that's really pretentious fucking oh, scholarly, wait, 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 wimpy <laughs> bullshit were you in high fidelity or something right now like that well <laughs> yeah uh, actually, they shot High Fidelity in this this store. Uh, oh wow! But, um, <laughs> and I love what a it's, coincidence. It, it's Reckless Records, Reckless Records in Chicago. Ah, a okay. great, fabulous, and there's one in London. They're 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 amazing. Oh, is that okay? Uh, I mean, the the uh, so, I, I, I'm some, sorry, I'm such a philistine. All I know of American records uh, shops is Amoeba, but pretty good store. Okay, great. Amoeba's the best in mm. in yeah America, I think. But um, yeah, I mean um. Here's the thing with with that record. Um, if you're not if you don't if you're not a Lou Reed fan or you don't understand Lou Reed, um, you're not going to like the record. And if you're not a Metallica fan or you don't understand them, you're not going to like the record. So it's you have to 
I'm a huge Lou Reed fan and I'm a huge Metallica fan. And I don't think it's a perfect record, but I see what they were doing. And um, it's a really awkward record. And it's a Lou Reed record. I mean, that's right. They're, you know, they're the backing band. It's not a Metallica album. Yeah. They're the backing band. I mean, sure, they they, they wrote a, a lot of those riffs, surely, but um, El- Elvis's backing band wrote all his music, you know. But it's still it's still an it, Elvis record, right? Right. But the thing is with Lou Reed is that he's always had a weird, awkward. His completely. I would say all of his records are awkward. He, you know, he's he always has had that, weird backing bands. Yeah, yeah. He, no, he has that famous album. Um, I'm trying to find it now on Spotify. Of just noise, isn't it? I think it's just metal me. machine music. Is that I right? Mean, yeah. Again, that's the thing is like people that diss that record and are heavy metal fans and they're not familiar with metal machine music. I mean, they can go sit on it. It's like, that's one of the most meta- metal, uh, artistic, atonal, just like mm. tear your face off punk rock record ever. So dude, I need to listen, listen to, to it. I haven't, record, I haven't actually heard that properly. I need to hear it. Yeah. Oh, it's practically unlistenable. It's going you know? in the playlist like, now. I'm queuing it up to listen to when I go to sleep. I'm gonna, I'm gonna crank it up. Well, good luck. I mean, it's 40 <laughs> minutes of noise and feedback, but oh, it's, it's, yeah, like it's aggressive songs, and yeah. powerful. Oh my god. Okay. So, I mean, that that's where this thing is like, you know, the the fact that people aren't even willing to give attention to it or sit with it. I mean, a lot of times you have to sit with a record. I mean, some records you put on and you're immediately like, "This is great." Mm. Other records, some of my favorite records are. I was kind of like, oh, I don't know if I like this, but I stuck with it, and it became one of my favorite records. I'm not saying Lula's going to become that, yeah. but there's a lot to mine here, and I think you really have to respect the fact um, that it is Lou Reed's last record, and he was dying while this record was being made, and all that you know, psycho mumbo-jumbo mumbo is actually – pretty scary stuff with somebody who's dealing with old age and like losing his libido and, um, and just all the provocative. I mean, I love the fact that James Hetfield is playing on a record where Lee, Lou Reed is talking about having a little dick and eating pussy and yeah, sucking, yeah. A, sucking a big black cock. I mean, I'm sorry, but I mean, it's <laughs> That's what it is, yeah. shit. <laughs> I and, bet like, James's Republican sensibilities were irked. I bet in private, like, but, no, he, he loved it. Yeah, I mean, have you seen them play live together? Like, they did a few appearances. Like, James is, like, a madman. He can't get enough. He's on fire. And it's it's some of their heaviest riffing ever. Yeah. And, like, the experimentation of it. Like, I miss that. So, like, Master of Puppets was the last great experimental record by Metallica with Orion, which there's sure. no other song like that, with the intro to Damage, Inc., with all the sound effects that are in that, the envelopment of that, um, uh, you know, Cliff's masterful, like just advanced playing. God, if we had Cliff on any of this new stuff, I'd mm. just die for that. Um, but um, uh, the Lulu record is really experimental. There's these soundscapes, and um, I wish that they would. That's the missing link because I feel like they've, you know, collected all that stuff that they've done in the past into Hardwired. I want to see more of that. The effects. That's what I think is decent about the load reload era is that at least they're experimenting sonically. There's some interesting ideas happening. Yeah, there. yeah. And I w- I wish they'd bring some of that sonic creativity into their 
uh, current work. I miss that from, I, I feel like it's all over Master of Puppets, even Ride the Lightning. And it just, it, it just went away, you know? So that's why I, I really stand up for Lulu. And um, Lulu, you know, you, you just got to spend time with it. Put it on in the background and go make dinner. Like, don't pay too close of attention to yeah, it. Yeah. But yeah. again, if, if you don't like Lou, if you don't like Lou Reed and you're a Metallica fan, you're not going to like that record. But, no, um, no, of course. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, there's kind of hooks more, more musically than, than lyrically or melodically. It's very much you know, big riffs, riffs that sound great. Like the, the record sounds a lot better than Death Magnetic in the, uh, you know, instrument department. They sound like huge slabs of guitar sound. And um, yeah, it's just Lou Reed waxing lyrical, as you say, about his own mortality and, and various other things. And um, I'm going to sort of contradict myself slightly here when I was crit- critiquing Death Magnetic for being so long, but Junior Dad, which is 19 minutes, 29, yeah. that's almost the length of the average sitcom episode, um, is wonderful meditative oh, ambient I'm glad you love it no oh yes. my god the imagery um falling beneath the waves the paternal idea and it's metallica doing a bloody like doing a real soft post-rock experimental like i'd love to just hear the instrumental to junior dad actually not that uh lou isn't wonderful on it but it's quite a nice brian eno at places kind of piece you know Exactly. And that's what I, yeah, I love that they went for that, that they weren't scared of that. And that it came after Death Magnetic, where they're still kind of trying to show, you know, that they still have, you know, balls, pardon the phrase, but, uh, you know, then they go do Lulu, you know, and I think that's just really bold and brave. And um, yeah, so my hat's off. I the fact that they were willing to sort of like subjugate themselves to Lou Reed, I think shows a lot of, um, you know, just the ability to let go. And um, I like, I like that aspect about it. The playfulness of that. Right? Yes. You know? Yes. You're so right as well. There's, mm-hmm. I mean, Metallica are, are, you know, a very humble band, like, and they always pay homage. So it's no surprise, like at garaging and stuff like that, they did do something like this. But you're right. I mean, you know, they are one of the one of the biggest bands in the history of music. They are like on the Beatles Queen sort of level, you know, certainly above Lou Reed. Uh, maybe not in terms of legend, mm-hmm. but just in terms of, you know, icon status or whatever. But yeah, they're all fans. They all kind of, you know, kissed the ring, as it were. It was a collaborative uh, adventure. If I remember correctly, I haven't looked at my history, but I think they met at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And obviously Lou Reed came to the 30th anniversary shows as well and played a little with them there. And they did a few things on German television. And it is so cool. And, you know, I'd love to speak to some, you know, in the same way that we're such huge Metallica fans and huge fans of other bands. Like, I'd love to speak to some Lou Reed fans who just happened to, you know, didn't, you know, don't mind Metallica. Like, what do they think about Lou's final record being with the Fresh Titans? Yeah, yeah, I haven't met any, you know, I listened to it with my friend Jim, who's both a Metallica and Lou Reed fan, and we just loved it, you know, um, the other day. But yeah, I'd like to know that. I I think that's where, like, the hipster, like, uh, record store clerk kind of comes in. It's like, oh, it's no Transformer. Yeah, yeah, whatever you think the good Lou Reed stuff is. (laughs) That's the only Lou Reed album I know, actually, and I do really like that record. That's a good album. But that's kind yeah. of that's kind well, of his you, classic. You like. should listen to, because uh, I know that you're a wordsmith. Um, mm. You should listen to uh, the record New York is a really interesting uh, early '80s Lou Reed record where he's very political, but uh, the lyricism is really 
okay. strong. Okay, yeah, yeah I've, uh, I've yeah, just, check that one out. I just found that New York. I will listen to songs such as "Last Great American Whale," uh, "Busload of Faith," and "Good Evening, Mister Waldheim." So uh, yeah, I eagerly uh, anticipate that. So. So yeah, guys, you know, as always, let us know what you think of these albums as well. Uh, MetallicaProductGmail.com, comment down below, get in touch with me, all that good sort of stuff. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, Reed, I guess just before we wrap up, you um, you wanted to share an anecdote about Alan Moore that I definitely want to hear. Um, right, it was yeah. thinking that you were in... Birmingham, right? Yeah, you thought, um, so you thought I was in North, I mean, it's fair enough because my American geography is terrible. Or North, Northampton. Yeah, thought I was in Northampton. I'm actually, well, I lived in Oxford for many years. I'm currently in Birmingham. But yeah, not, Northampton's not too far away. Obviously, Northampton, anyone that's not, I mean, even I, as someone who's, you know, not too far from it, don't really know much about it, other than it is the birthplace and residence of, you know, in my opinion, one of the few, like, genius, genius writers that are still alive, uh, Sir Alan Moore. Yeah, the great mystic magician, oh, uh, soothsayer, graphic, uh, just novelist. Oh, dialogue is yeah, his uh, imagination is like. No, I mean, have you read much of his stuff? Like, yeah, yeah, Watchmen and From Hell. Oh, and, um, Watchmen is just you know uh, Swamp Thing. I love Swamp. swamp thing. Oh, his Swamp Thing, the best ever. Like, yeah, Jesus. Yeah, but, and and you'd have to see him. You know, he 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 uh, he is a self proclaimed. Uh, magician and he's got this <laughs> yeah. long he looks like a metalhead he's like wears all black and he's got this yeah. long black hair and a beard and uh you know very gothic looking and um a real in highbrow intellectual um absolutely iconoclast yeah. you know well i was on tour with this band called the bitter tears um years ago and um we were in uh england and driving in our little um uh our, our, our little van and we I, I had just gotten into alan moore my uh, my friend alan who was in the band the bitter tears too had kind of turned me on to him and was even a bigger fan and so i was just starting to crack open alan moore and we arrived in northampton where he lives and i sort of jokingly you know we parked the van usually you know before a gig you know you get to town you park the van everybody goes their separate ways for several hours until you have to meet back at the club for sound check or whatever so you know we parked the van in northampton and got out of the van and i said to alan my friend i said well let's see who uh has an alan moore sighting first chuckle chuckle and we went our separate ways and i went to a coffee shop um and 10 minutes later i open I, I i go into the coffee shop and sure as shit alan moore is in this coffee shop and like walks right past me and i just sort of say hey man and he says hello <laughs> uh but it was just incredible you know it was like yeah the joke the joke was who's gonna see him first of course that would never happen and it happened to me like 10 minutes later oh my god um and then we played at a club that night that he frequented, um, and and he plays in a bunch of bands and stuff. Sort of like a he does, artistic yeah. hub, sort of an artistic hub. And we we played at that place, so um, that was pretty pretty special. Anyway, oh man, that's inc- <laughs> I, I, I I'm jealous, man. Yeah, because he is a, he has a true magnetism about him, and 
I mean, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, Tom Strong I love, Promethea. I've even read, like, his pastiche of, like, Silver Age comics, 1963, Mm. which is so, so good as well, where it's him just doing his own version of Fantastic Four and, like, you know, all that sort of idea. And, oh, man, he's just the grand satirist, really, that also Watchmen arguably kind of birthed modern comics to this day even still, that kind of skewering of that idea. And, um, yeah, he he is a god, as is James Hetfield and the lads as well. Um, I guess finally for you, Reed, like, we should push people back to uh, listen to our first episode where we went deep on Cliff, which was a very fun discussion. Mm-hmm. We and, miss him. Yeah, we do miss him, and uh, yeah, that was a good, that was a really good episode because if I remember correctly, we spoke even about like his guitar teacher and quotes from him and stuff, and talking about Ray and talking about the music that Cliff was into and the bands he was in, and you know all that sort of idea. So people go back for that. I, yeah, I yeah, I, I actually um, ate some mushrooms the other night and listened to uh, <laughs> Orion on repeat, <laughs> which was. Quite as quite sensational. Oh my and he god! Is Mac- Cliff is the Paul McCartney of of bass heavy metal bass. Yeah, that's there's so no true. getting around it. That's so if true. you listen to the, what he's doing, the backup stuff on Orion, it's just oh. you can't touch it. No, I miss him. No, I miss him as well. And uh, no, you're so right when you talk about Paul McCartney because he has the same kind of lead style that McCartney has, but it's still rhythmic. It's not too showy, like say Billy Sheehan, who who I also love. I think he's a great bass player. But um, damn, mushrooms with Orion. See, Orion's the one you want to listen to. Even if it's something like Suicide Redemption, it give you a bad trip. I think. I think it would like bug right. out. Like, but uh, yeah. So, um, is there anything else finally yourself that you like to promote or? Uh, no, I mean, you can, I've got a couple things. I'm a songwriter, um, up on YouTube. It's Reed Coker, R-E-I-D-C-O-K-E-R. Um, another band called the Judy Green. I've played in probably 12 bands, Chicago bands over right. the years. And there's lots of stuff, but that's some of my stuff. I'm, I'm working on, um, I'm involved with a theater company and we're, um, I'm scoring uh, some music for a version of Hamlet that we're doing and um, heavily influenced by both Tom Waits and Metallica, the stuff that I've been writing. So that's the two things I do podcasts about. Oh my God. Wow. Exactly. I'll I'll send you some stuff. (laughs) Uh, This has been great, man. And, um, you know, again, people go back and check out our first discussion on Cliff. Uh, subscribe to us at Metallica Pod. Get in touch with MetallicaPod.gmail.com. Tell me how wrong I am about Hardwired. I want to hear it. I'll read it out. Tell me how right I am about Death Magnetic or whatever in between. Uh, follow us at Metallica Pod. Patreon is there. So, for instance, this episode we've been on Patreon for three or four weeks before it drops in the main feed. So, uh, that's how it works. If you want to support the show, you can listen there. Direct, Download it directly to your phone iTunes, Spotify, tell a friend about the show. Go back through the archive as well. We've been doing this show for a long time now. We've got so many episodes out there covering so many topics. And uh, they're all good. I'm going to give every single one my stamp for approval. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, uh, this has been Tom and Reed. Finally, thank you again. Thank you, Tom. Till next time. <laughs>